You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You can catch us, the C3 Panthers podcast, every Tuesday night. It just happens to be Thursday because I came off a five-day bender in enemy territory, mixed in with a little work, hanging out in the Big Easy, celebrating my anniversary, but we're back. The C3 Panthers podcast lives on each and every week, even if we are two days late and a dollar short. Tonight's show is going to be a fantastic one. We've got a ton to talk about. The episode's show title tonight is Minicamp Motion in Carolina Ocean. It's episode 19.19, and I'm here with my man Cody Lashney to chop up the latest Panthers news from the fan perspective. Tony Don, I got to be honest, I'm a little bit worried that maybe you spent too much time in voodoo territory. So what we're going to do is tonight we're going to rebaptize you in all things Carolina Panthers, baby, and bring you back to the good side, baby. We have the best Panthers chat room on the internet. Legacy Lynn, Jeremy Clancy, Underground West, Tin Tizzy, Tony Dunn, my man. Ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. Boy, I tell you one thing is that, yeah, is I had to come home and wash that Saint stink off of me. Good Lord. Uh, is like, uh, you know, Saints fans, if they uh, smell half as bad as Bourbon Street, then I'd hate them just as much. No, is that New Orleans is a town where there's great food. Uh, great music and really, really nice people in so many ways. But their football team sucks. And Carol, I did wear my Carolina gear 
uh, around a whole day one day. Um, so that was, that was, there was some bravado in that, especially where did I go in? And I was like, this is probably not the best way to approach this, <laughs> but doing it anyway. <laughs> no. Uh, so we got a great show. Uh, we had a good time. We missed Tuesday night. We, we don't miss a show. Uh, rarely do we push one back. We push one back this week, but, uh, that will not lessen, uh, the fun that we have tonight with the greatest fans in Panther Nation. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Cam Newton. Uh, he's throwing, and I thought that that would be the story, but it turns out it's this new and improved throwing motion. But there's other things to talk about as well. Is Gerald McCoy continues to be that bull on parade when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. He has been a, a giant addition and a giant storyline for this week, as many camps concluded. Samuels, Curtis Samuels, a little talk and a little hype around him, poised for a breakout this season. We're going to try to figure that out tonight, what that means and what he could mean for the Panthers' offense. But this Panthers' defense continues to undergo changes, and we will discuss those as well. So we've got a lot to talk about. Cam Newton, as always, will be the centerpiece and the focal point of almost nearly all starting points when it comes to the Carolina Panthers' We'll get into that. But before we do that, we thank you for listening to the show, supporting the show, and being a part of the show. You can continue uh, to help us grow as a podcast by, number one, participating in the chat room as you guys do so much and contribute so much to the development of this show and that conversation we have as Panther fans. While you're there, go ahead and smash that thumbs up button. Subscribe to the podcast if you're listening on iTunes, Tuner, Stitcher, Tune in radio wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate you. Love to hear from you. Leave a review and um, tell a friend about the show. I saw the Bat Daddy. Uh, I think it was the Bat Daddy this week who sent that to a friend, and it was nice when one Panther. I saw it. He tagged me. He said, "You guys got to listen to these dudes. They got the dopest podcast." And then it's always cool when the other guy goes, "Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do." so now we got a lot of fun tonight let's go ahead and start off cody i am in new orleans kind of taking a break from some of just the hyper focus on twitter and some things i got a lot going on paying a lot of attention to my wife and and celebrating our anniversary had some work stuff going on and i see cam newton is throwing the football we heard about some of this clandestinely right uh in the past week so it's not entirely new news but i thought that this would be the central storyline cam newton boy ahead of schedule in many ways even though we don't like to have a timetable and a schedule we didn't think he would be throwing and seeing this so publicly uh, he's throwing the stationary targets. Then there were some even moving receivers as it goes on. But, Cody, I open my phone. I look into the news apps, and there is word that Cam Newton's entire throw in motion has changed. Let's go ahead and cue up video number one. This is what I saw as I open up Twitter. Uh, we'll start with this. NFL.com. As, go ahead and cue it up, and I'll talk over the beginning. NFL.com, their headline is Cam Newton to do, to debut a new throwing motion. This is NFL.com. He unveils it. Ooh, that was quick. Analyzing Cam Newton. You told me this before. New throwing you motion. You want to your feelings. Now look. To pull this miracle off, you got to change everything. 
And, and it's not that different. It's really not that different. He's still throwing the ball. It's he got to learn to be in motion. He's left-handed now. Yep. Fighter, now this will confuse Apollo, and it will protect that bad eye. No, I can't learn how to fight right-handed no more. And, and it's not that different. It's really not that different. He's still throwing the ball. It's There's no chance. Now he will beat you uglier than you are now. Now listen, you start fighting right-handed. And then it changed suddenly, and that'll make history. Separation in, in other ways than just being big and tall uh, has become a key trait that these guys have looked for when they're drafting playmakers to put around him. Um, Separation laterally and on routes and things yeah. like that. Yeah. But first, they gotta get speed. Demon speed. Speed's what we need. We need greasy, fast speed. Well, I, th I think so. I mean,. It's, it's easier to throw to open guys than cover guys, I think. You know, I mean, just, you know, so. It. So Cam Newton, turns out, he's. this is such a dramatic shift. He could be throwing left-handed for the first three quarters of the football game and then freaking Apollo out going right-handed. <laughs> Cody, is that I made this video this evening talking about how this storyline and the headlines unveil new throwing motion debut new throwing motion and then uh, scott turner if you listen to the full audio says this is not really a big deal now tell me what do you think about these headlines of cam newton and these changed mechanics i mean personally i feel th this is something that cam newton has been doing for more than just you know the past few months ever since the surgery I feel like I've seen Cam Newton throw this overhanded football, this really vertical arm football for, you know, the past year or two now. That this is something that kind of happened around the time that Scott and North Turner came in. And this is something that he made a concerted effort to do. Um, I think because of the injury, because of that aggravating the shoulder, it kind of forced him to emphasize even more time working on that new throwing motion. But um, I kind of think that uh, I, it's going to be interesting to see what Cam Newton reverts to. You know, you, you grow up throwing the football a certain way. It's hard to just all of a sudden stop doing that and retrain yourself to do something completely different. Um, you know, you uh, and I were talking before the show, and Tiger Woods did something very similar in his career. He had to switch up just a, a minor thing in the grip of how he was gripping the club. And it, it really helped him out um, a long way into his career. And this is even after Tiger Woods was already a name in the sport. So I feel that maybe this has the potential to be the same thing for Cam Newton as he is now a 30-year-old quarterback in the NFL. Look, this is a non-story and deliberately misleading by the media, in my opinion, and that is this is not a change in mechanics. This is just the continued focus on refinement and improving the craft that is Cam Newton. Last year, we heard North Turner talk about it was about playing faster, playing faster, making decisions faster, right? Going through your reads faster, getting the ball out faster. That was the focus of last year. Right. This year... Right now, as Cam Newton is coming back off of uh, rehabbing a shoulder, why would it, it seems just innately, uh, it seems, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for here, is that um, why wouldn't you be talking about mechanics as you are rehabbing a shoulder injury? 
What, and when you hear this, it's not yeah. really talking about changing anything. This is not a this is not a change. It's not a new throwing motion. This is entirely from what I heard about Scott Turner talking about this is to me that this is about eye and foot discipline. To me, this is like a golfer where you are continuing to work on a strength. You've had a lot of success and you are continuing to tweak and refine your craft and say, hey, as I get tired, as you get tired and you're mentally tired, here's the type of things that you do um, that maybe that we can keep and be mindful about. This is a mindfulness. To me, this isn't much different than anything uh, we have heard in the past, particularly, look, if you go back to when Mike Shula here, it was talking about they once one year they talking about movement in the pocket. One year they're talking about continued footwork. They always see Cam Newton working on his footwork. But at the end of the day, this is just why it's a non-story because the big headline should be if they were not practicing mechanics. No need yeah. to work on mechanics storyline that would be a story to me this is a non-issue but what did what did baldinger you know it's been a lot of talk on around town i mean this is dominated some of the the headlines and and the panthers contributed this a little bit by trying to take ownership of the live feed like here's cam newton throwing the ball live and making yeah. a big deal so it's not like they shaded this story or tried to bury this story they um jumped to kind of not into that narrative, but celebrating Cam. What did Baldinger have to say on WFNZ about this? If I play it. Come on, Baldy. No, Baldy. No, we have it. There we go. We don't know. We don't know if you carry these, uh, the, the mechanics that he's trying to alter into a real game. I mean, when you get into a game and it's live, I mean, you kind of usually revert to what you've always done. Now, we don't know. I mean, I've seen Kerry Collins shorten his motion. I did a film session with Andrew Luck, and at this time last year, Andrew Luck couldn't throw a Nerf football, and he had the best year of his career. Uh, you just don't know yet, but uh, he's got a great quarterback coach and a great coach, Norv Turner, working with him. I think Norv really enjoys working with him. I think uh, he's excited about a lot of the young players around him. But really, Mac, we don't know how the mechanics are going to work and if they're going to be able to stick. I mean, it's not a knock on that on Cam if he can. If he goes in the game and he just goes to what he's always done, then I mean, that's what most guys have always done. They just it's just hard to it's hard to change at this point in your career. But at least he's trying to, which may be create less pain or maybe it's yes. gonna, less stress on the joint. I mean, we don't know exactly all the reasons why. Yeah, and I mean, he makes some some great points there, and he talked about Andrew Luck. And, you know, listen, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I've – it seems like I shit on Andrew Luck a lot. I swear I don't. I actually like the dude as a quarterback. It just uh, it upsets me when people say that, that Andrew Luck has proven something in the NFL that Cam Newton hasn't. But I do think that Andrew Luck is a good example for what we're talking about here because Andrew had a must, a much worse injury, and then he did the exact same thing, changed up his throwing motion, and Brian Baldinger is 100% right there. Andrew Luck was not able to throw a Nerf football at this time last year, 
And no, not even like three weeks before football started, I felt like. Right. So then imagine Cam Newton, who we already know to be Superman. I mean, I agree with Legacy Lynn. He should have a standout year this year and should shut down all the critics. Um, so Lee Charter in the chat room says that he would sit out Cam Newton all preseason because there is no reason to even take a, a, a risk in those games. And while I do agree with that to a certain point, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I want Cam Newton to build some confidence out there on the field, throw a few passes, get comfortable with that offensive line. That way he's ready to go uh, as soon as football starts up. Um, really interesting question healthy, right now. Really interesting yeah. question there. Would you sit Cam Newton the entire preseason? Now, look, is that if if he is feeling the best he's felt in a while, then I don't think you need to overly protect him. I do think there would be some I, – I, I really think that what they should do, instead of just putting him out for a series, I say this, is in the third game we're going to go one quarter, one full quarter, or as a couple of offensive possessions, full speed, and then shut it down. You know, it's not like he's learning on the job a tremendous amount. But uh, some real good comments in, in the chat room. First of all, Lynn says, Cam's been working on his small changes for a long time. Exactly, Cody, since Turner came on. And it was all just paused with injury. And now they're getting back to working on small changes. I think this is just, like she's saying, refining the craft. And um, I, I do think, now Now Underground West says Cam is using different mechanics throwing now. The question is this, are they truly different? Yeah. Or are they? Are we just a little bit more mindful about some of those things when it comes to you know, just continuing to know where Cam Newton tends to break down mechanically when maybe under duress or when he's like fatigued. Yeah. I do think, look, Cam has had historically, you just watch him play. It is a violent throwing motion, you know, is that he has a motion of, when I say a violent throwing motion, it looks like if you accidentally walked by when he was trying to throw a football, and you caught like the aftermath of it, like you would be laid out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, bam. Uh, oh, I mean, I sorry, I didn't see you throwing this football here. I'm not saying get hit with the football. I mean, it looks like he put in every ounce of mustard he has. Yeah. And listen, how about we just do that? Let's let everyone in the chat room be the judge. Cause we have a clip. This is Mike Robinson of NFL Network, and he breaks down on film some of the perceived differences between how Cam Newton was throwing the football to how he's been throwing the football recently at OTAs. Either way, they've changed his mechanics to try and keep his shoulder healthy moving forward, and it was noticeable, Mike. I didn't Very think that I'd be able to so see the difference, noticeable. but it was pretty glaring. Very much of a noticeably <laughs> different uh, delivery from Cam Newton. A little bit more compact delivery you can see him keeping his off shoulder very tight uh to, to to the clip you can see right here this is cam newton from last year very much of an open delivery off hand down he's torquing his upper body a lot of arm and shoulder being used to deliver that pass right here and here's the new cam newton tight arm tight off arm close to the close <laughs> to his shoulders and he's not exposing <laughs> oh, that so shoulder different. to too much stress with, with throwing the football again going back to last year again so look how much he opened mm. up look how open he is mm. and i i thought this was actually pretty compact 
uh, for throwing the football, but he, he that was open for Cam Newton. And this is again this year a little bit more tight of a motion. See how everything is tight up uh, up top, keeping up a more efficient delivery so that he's using his legs more to, to, to drive the ball and not using his shoulder. And these are the pictures of the new Cam Newton. Now, I, I, I do wonder about this because he didn't throw to any moving targets today. Um, and what happens in week nine um, in the fourth quarter and he's tired or when he's and throwing he at game speed possibly back to the old Cam Newton. It takes a yeah. lot of reps for you to be able to make I mean, this him just playing toss with the kids so on the sideline to be like, look at how easy he looks. Cam putting in the work. Okay, this might be a stupid question, having never quarterbacked no myself, no. but can you get enough velocity? Like, it, it always seems to me like, like you would get more velocity when you come back like that. When he's just going up here and throwing from here, can he... Well, you heard Ron Rivera talk about him starting to connect his legs with his arm and his shoulders. And if Cam can stop that would be helpful if all those were connected arm and use his legs and step into the throat and drive from the ground and use your legs to drive the ball, you take a lot of the pressure off the show. And uh, something I want to bring bring up, right? So they're all saying that Cam Newton's mechanics are so up and down. They all this and that. I've never bought into that. I think that, yeah, they can get sloppy a little from time to time, but still Cam Newton. Listen, we have always known that Cam Newton has one of the biggest arms in the NFL for years now. And do they tell me that my boy has been throwing with bad footwork and bad mechanics this whole time and still launching some Hiroshima and Nagasaki shit down the field? I mean, come on, man. Imagine if this man actually put something together that that does end up being that Tiger Wood type change. And I know you don't think it's much of a difference. And really, I'm on your side. I don't think that it's that different either. But in my opinion, man, like if it, it might just be one tiny thing that Cam Newton has to clean up that makes him even better than we've known him to be. Yeah, so, if he hey, can get tighter and not this t- t- compact throwing motion, right? Is that, yes, is that Cam Newton does tend to to sling a little at t- a lot of times. Yeah, You know sure. what I'm saying? And it looks slingshotty. Now, can he evolve and continue to refine that? I think every player can. And if they're not trying to, yeah. that would be a concerning part. But look, these are very simple things is, look, Cam Newton has had such crazy arm strength. He can get away with throwing off of his back foot or he's been able, maybe not get away with, but just think this is he can throw off his back foot farther and harder than most people can throw in a perfect throwing motion. Yeah. So you go back to that game, Cody, you remember the Minnesota game? Uh, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. And he said, and he hits Funches. Yeah, 2017, he hits Funches and he throws across his body, across the field, off his back foot. And it yeah. turns into this miracle play uh, that, that Funches scores a touchdown on. And in the press, and by the way, by the way, it was a play that he had to make on his own because that Viking defensive line shredded our offensive line. <laughs> and there was, a, there was pressure. Right in Cam Newton's face, so he had to reach into that bag of tricks and pull a rabbit out of his hat to throw a touchdown in the end zone. Because Cam Newton does that kind of shit on the norm. And um, so he he says after the game, "I did everything all these folks tell me not to do." 
And then now y'all are celebrating yeah. me at this moment. I think, right. I just feel Doing like this. Yeah. When you talk about Cam Newton's mechanics, are they picture or have they been a model throughout his career of like what you would show every kid growing up from the beginning? No, but yeah. every kid is not Cam Newton. Number one. Number no. two, like you said, with this offensive Cam Newton, there's one problem Cam Newton has, and it's not entirely his fault. He's so damn big, it's hard for him to step in always into the pocket when that pocket is naturally smaller because he's it such. Exist. Yeah, well, that it hasn't existed, and even if it did exist, he's such a large man. He needs a little bit more space yeah. so when it's tightening and closing sometimes it looks like he has to do funk he does have to do funky stuff now that what we have done this year is we've made a priority to go and get cam newton a a offensive line and to me i think that that should be the real story of the change mechanics is now we get to see cam newton throw without always looking like he's iced tea and surviving the game out there on every yeah. damn down maybe this is yes can he get better can he be more mindful sure but it's you they acting like he's atrocious well i won't say that it, the no, implication is that he had bad mechanics when we're just yeah, saying, let's fault. perfect them and improve them as we go. And even and you brought up a very good point there. I don't think that there is a perfect throwing motion. I think every quarterback has to have the throwing motion that works best for them. For example, Philip Rivers is someone that has this it weird looks curve. Sorry, yeah, it's so ugly through, looking. Yeah. Where do we hear all this Sam, bad mechanic crap with him? Yeah, right. Sam Darnold is another quarterback. That's the same way. There were questions about his throwing motion coming out of college. Um, I mean, there have been other players. Uh, even Trevor Lawrence for my Clemson Tigers has a weird throwing motion. And everyone's saying he's destined to become the number one drafted quarterback in 2021. So, you know, you find the best motion for you. And forever, Cam Newton has been this monolith of a man built like a god and can throw the football from his from knees, anywhere on from his knees. yeah, yeah, without having to have perfect form. Now, as he is getting older, I am happy that he is mindful of his body and is trying to take care of himself and put himself in a position to be able to throw the football down the field for a lot of years to come. You have to do that as you grow older. Tim Tizzy says this, Cam needs to work on his touch pass. He throws so hard. And, you know, some, and I think Cody may have said this a lot last year, is maybe the shoulder injury was good for that. And that you saw yeah. finally, before he got hurt again last year, that a lot of those passes uh, were looking a lot. He always had a lot of inaccuracy. It was not in the deep ball in the mid-game. It was on those short ones because – he almost felt like he had to th shorten his throwing motion to not throw it hard. Yeah. He was like the kid from Rookie of the Year where he had his arm just wound up so tight all the time. But the yeah. is that, yeah, and I think we saw Cam improve in that. I think when you're looking at him in these passes, those are the types of passes. It's like, it's like hey, Cam, sometimes you can take it easy, you know, and just smooth, yeah. just a smooth backswing. And, and and trying to hit it if you were playing golf. Now, 
And um, I, I really do feel, to piggyback on that, that North Turner is building an offense where Cam Newton will be able to throw the ball short and always have an option deep. So if the first plan breaks down, you have Christian McCaffrey there to bail you out. You're going to have Curtis Samuel downfield and DJ Moore to be able to get some yards after the catch. So that's a great point, Tony. They're talking in the chat room about the missile of an arm. Carl Van says five-yard passes with the velocity of a sidewinder missile. It's true, and it almost kind of shows you, too, why Olsen has been so great. Is K- Olsen has been able to handle those fastballs pretty easily. Oh, and yeah. he seems to be the guy that has not had the most difficulty with that. I think Cam Newton's evolving. He's going to get better. But going, and let's piggyback real quickly on that conversation about Norv Turner and Scott Turner. I've been preaching on this podcast since Cam, since 20, since we started the podcast, that the real problem I had with the Carolina Panthers in their offense went back to um, our old, when we promoted Mike Shula to offensive coordinator and we made Ken Dorsey the, the um, quarterback coach. And what I felt with, with both Mike Shula and Ken Dorsey is that Cam Newton didn't really, I won't say didn't respect them, but it was a little different when it came to, you know, hey, this is a guy who's who I really have to just honor what he's saying all the time. And as he's maturing, you bring in a North Turner who has had so much success in this league. You get a guy who's got the pedigree with his son, Scott Turner, who is, has been exemplary, it seems like, at every stop he has been at as a coach and really just grown up as a coach's kid. I think Cam Newton met North Turner at a necessary point. And that is that Cam Newton's humble enough now and not that he wasn't. Well, yeah. And that North Turner speaks to him and this could be resonating. These may be the same exact lessons. They're just resonating a little bit more because of the presentation and who they're coming from. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Norv Turner has been someone that Ron Rivera has known for a very long time. Uh, I I really do think that, uh, you know, listen, we've given Ron Rivera his fair share of flack when we feel that he deserves it. Um, but, you know, we also have to give him credit when credit is due. I feel like he had the foresight to understand that the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator was a problem here in Carolina. And he had seen what uh, North Turner had done with the quarterback at uh, Troy Aikman and even Teddy Bridgewater up in Minnesota and said, yeah, I think this is someone that can, you know, Cam Newton is already incredible. But th- there is a coach and his son who is younger and connect with Cam on a more personal level. These are two people that can come in and add that that last little bit of extra stuff to help Cam Newton um, take uh, the next step in his career. You know, a lot of people forget that even someone like Drew Brees wasn't the Drew Brees that you know today until after he had his arm almost taken off in San Diego. And they were really worried about that shoulder, weren't they? He almost went to the Miami Dolphins and Nick Saban when he was the head coach. Uh, but the Miami Dolphins team doctor said that he wasn't clear to play and that they didn't trust that arm moving forward. So sometimes an injury, just like the one Cam Newton had, 
I mean, it, it could be the best thing that ever happened to him. And well, I, I won't go that, that right far, <laughs> but I will say this: well, is in that the, in it's not a run. career ender. Like have people acted like Cam Newton was all of a sudden going to be a footnote in the NFL, right? I, I just mean in, in the way that it might have caused him to take the necessary change to go and take the next step. And if that's what ended up happening, then yeah, it, it is a, a very important thing that happened to him. And the Turners have been instrumental in that. I do want to say when I was in New Orleans, one of the stories, well, I'm sure that they, were, they weren't they were talking about it in New Orleans, but related to Drew Brees, Drew Brees had to miss some of uh, his mini camp because he was testifying in court in a lawsuit that he was giving to, or that he, he was suing his former jeweler and business partner for, um, yeah, for selling him all these jewels at basically retail price, and he didn't, get, and, and they haven't appreciated. In fact, they depreciated. He maybe overpaid. It seems like. Turns out that I'm guessing Drew Brees is not going to get uh, his money on this one. But interesting side note is my wife's cousin is uh, lives in New Orleans and teaches Drew Brees kids private piano lessons. He did not want me to tell anybody. Don't tell him. He won't listen. To, he don't listen to this podcast anyway. But I sent him a text. You might have to tell me that again later. <laughs> uh, I sent him a text and I said, is Drew Brees going to sue you next for overcharging those damn piano lessons? You better watch out. <laughs> better watch out. No, uh, let's get and, to a question. I got a question in the chat room that happened a long time yeah, ago. And, but before we get to that question, I just want to pinpoint one thing that Adam Sanders said, and I think that that really is a great point. He says, guys, I don't care about Cam Newton's shoulder anymore. Have you seen this attitude? The dude is having fun again, and that's when Excellent shit point. gets real. So, when, he's having fun, when he's having fun, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And that's the point right there, man. When, Tom, when, when Cam Newton loves to play football, when he's having fun, dude, the whole NFL is different, man. And, of course, it's different for us as a, as a Panther fan. But, man, Cam Newton, at his healthiest, at his best, it's good for everyone except for every team that we go up Yeah, against. I don't remember it being like that last year, um, and, and that's absolutely right, is that if this rehab wasn't going well, and I've been saying that, how visible, visible Cam Newton has been indicates a lot about how he's feeling. Oh, yeah. All right, so the question sure. I do want to get to real quickly, just because Tyler Lovato asked it earlier in the show. I told him we'd get to it. He said, question for the podcast, who do you think will be snubbed from the 53-man roster? The receivers are stacked, and we have tons of young linebackers Ooh. we drafted in Andre Smith and Jermaine Carter. You know, um, and and not even to mention it now, we go to a team potentially that has um, some defensive end over like you know i mean i don't know i mean we drafted marquise haynes last year pretty high you don't you may expect him to be out there mario addison's out i mean uh, fao you know all of a sudden there seems to be in some places that there was real dearth and deficiency of talent there's a lot now and then you add in that we're going to the three four system you bring in bruce Irvin. you draft um uh, Brian Burns, right? Number one. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, so you added a lot of guys in these positions. You add Jerry McCoy, which fattens up that defensive tackle position a little bit more. And, you know, all of a sudden we go for some positions that have been traditional weaknesses. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised is that if we see a cut in the receiver group, I don't know if it's Torrey Smith, 
I I'm, I don't think it's going to be Jarris Wright. Could be then since you go and bring in Hogan. I'm, I mean, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting that it's somewhere in that running back room. I mean, look at who are we have in the running back room now. We have Christian McCaffrey, Cameron Artis Payne, mm, uh, yeah. Elijah Hood, Elijah Holyfield, uh, the Jordan Scarlett. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, that's going to be uh, tough. Uh, oh, uh, Cameron Artis Payne, if you said yeah. him already. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. Uh, I thought I did. And um, uh, Reggie Bonifon, who was a running back from Louisville, uh, is on the team Alex right now. Alex fullback. Seems, like, how many well, guys? I, I do think that they, that they probably do want to be able to implement the fullback. I don't think Armour will be cut in that scenario. But in, in my mind, it's the offense. Because I do believe that the Panthers want to be very deep and multiple on their defense. Um, so in, in my mind, it's probably the receiver room and the uh, the running back room that's probably going to end up seeing the hardest cuts if I'm a if I'm a betting man. Yeah, it's going to be tough. There's going to be some guys on the bubble. I continue to advocate that the NFL needs to expand the roster, right? And and that's what we really need to do yeah. is the Panthers should be able to walk in with sixty some people uh, and things like that. Uh, just real quick, shout out to everybody in the chat room, specifically Ken D's here. Christina Aguar is here. Tyler, Adam, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Underground, Legacy Limb, we appreciate y'all's input. Carl Van, go ahead and smash that thumbs up button. Uh, we got a good show for you tonight, and it seems like uh, we've got uh, my main man, Joe Riolano, in the house. I'm hoping that's who it is. Joey, welcome to the C3 Panthers podcast. What's up, guys? Glad to be here tonight. We've been awesome, man. Good to hear you again. Also, hey, real quick, shout out to Jeremy Clancy for his earlier ten dollar love bomb. Thanks you so much for supporting the show, Jeremy. Dang, I didn't even see that. We're oh, I'm I'm way yeah, behind man. in it's the done. comments. Look at how way behind him in the yeah, comments. Yeah, no, it was it, it was one of the first ones in the chat. I just wanted to make sure. That uh, that he got this recognition. Oh man, thank uh, you so much. I missed it. That yeah, man. Well done, well done, Cody. I'm picking that up. Thank you, Jeremy. And uh, here, let's go on to the next segment of the show, and let's talk. uh, We were going to talk about speed, but there is a comment. I want to go back. Let's go ahead and jump into Gerald McCoy. Here's the comment. I celebrate Festivus. Here's the comment. Gerald McCoy will quickly become a fan favorite. His personality is endearing. Let's go ahead and cue up the video of Gerald McCoy yeah. uh, with his teammates and breaking it down in the huddle this week, too. And I want everyone to, to, to listen to the word that that McCoy uses to break the huddle because it's the most important word that, that is spoken here. Oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. Another thing about my teammates, man. I got snow cone trucks and ice cream trucks on top. Yeah. Hey, family on three, one, two, three. Don't you want that one? I gotta go way in first. You know what I'm saying? I've been working on my summer body. Come on, man. I need this ice, brother. I feel like a six-year-old. Yeah, that's a good one. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to my boy Joe. Hey, who is this? What's up, man? 
Look at this. No ice cream being eaten, though. I didn't see a single person get ice cream. The whole team's gone vegan. Hey, man, like I, like I said, after, after a hot, hard practice, uh, a cool snow cone, man, let me tell you, that's a little slice of heaven right there. I can't say I'll blame mm-hmm. him. But, but the fact that Gerald McCoy is already talking about this locker room and this team as a family, man, I'm telling you, it feels like even though he hasn't played a snap yet, uh, Gerald McCoy was meant to be a Carolina Panther. I know this is way too early. This is my far, far, far too early prediction. I'm willing to bet you this year, Gerald McCoy is going to make such an impact that the Carolina Panthers are going to make it a priority to bring Gerald McCoy back after this year. Now, this is with no evidence. I just have a feeling in my bones that Gerald McCoy is a Carolina Panther for the rest of his days, and I feel like we will all love him for it, man. Gerald McCoy loves to be here. I think the question when thinking about Gerald McCoy that I've wanted every reporter to ask so far is, how come you signed just a one-year deal? Why didn't you try to go for a two- or three-year contract, even if it meant taking a little less like per season? And I think you may be on to something here about being a very important and good fit in the absence of a Thomas Davis in a team who the who Gerald McCoy is like the old one of the older hats now. Not the oldest guy, but 30 years old, a veteran in this league, a proven guy. He really speaks the language that Panther fans love to hear. I want to play you guys a real quick clip. Uh, it's not even that quick. It's from this is McCoy on the Rap Sheet and Friends podcast talking about why he chose Carolina. And I think when you hear him in these descriptions, first of all, this will not be surprising to Panther fans, but I think it is very meaningful to football players and may indicate that Carolina could be a destination for free agents, quality free agents in the future. Here's Gerald McCoy on the Rap Sheet Friends and Friends podcast. I, be honest, I knew Carolina was interested, and I mentioned their name kind of early on, but I didn't even think they would get a visit. You know, Ron Rivera has been there for a long time. They've obviously gotten deep in the playoffs with sustained success, which is uh, unfortunately different from what it was like for you in Tampa. That coupled with the fact that uh, Rivera is going to be more hands-on on defense, and that part would be fun. And then, you know, of course, I heard that Cam Newton was instrumental in, in pitching you. Did those kinds of things sell you on the Carolina organization? Oh, well, not just Cam. I mean, what he said to me and the things we spoke about remain private, but not just Cam, but um, so they took me to lunch. And uh, when they took me to lunch, I expected to go eat with the coaches. Well, when I walked in, um, there was six guys sitting at the table. Greg Olson, Chris McCaffrey, Luke Keekley, Shaq Thompson, Trey Turner, and Kwan Short. And I'm like, yeah, at least six people showed up on their off day to come back. <laughs> that, that speaks volumes about, one, being the respect you have from the players, two, uh, how much they want you on the team, and three, the type of people they are. Because they could have said, well, you know, I mean, I might have something to do or made up excuses. No, they showed up. And not only they show up, I switched over to being a vegan. They even sacrificed and went to a vegan restaurant for me, which was, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's <laughs> volumes. It might not speak volumes to other people, 
But to me, that speaks volumes about the type of people or players that are in this organization and what they represent. And that's all I want to be around, like-minded men who have one common goal, and that's to win the Lombardi the right way. That is a really cool story. Really cool story. Joe Riolano, um, Ron Rivera was a big part in this. If you go earlier in that podcast, uh, McCoy talks about the stability with Ron Rivera, the provenness that he's had as a head coach, but also as a coordinator and as a player. Um, these guys, they respect Ron Rivera and some of the stability that this Panthers organization demonstrates has become attractive. Really neat to hear just how powerful of a Carolina locker room culture that has been cultivated over the last 10 years. Joe, you there? You there? I think, I think um, the, the culture that Carolina's cultivated has been um, something that's gone on since day one. Wow. I think they've always kept, it, kept the, the, the small town close-knit kind of feel, family kind of feel. I think that's how it's been since um, inception. And it, I can't help but see it being attractive to potential free agents. And to, um, Charlotte itself is such a great city. Um, it's, what do they say, a small town with a big town feel? Something yeah. to that effect. Yeah, it's a, um, I, I, always, I always call it a big little city, and I live up here. Right. I lived there for, I lived there in the early 90s, but that's like right when Night I left. Day. Really, yeah, exactly. Now it's so different. I've um, been I've been in Charlotte for a little over five years, like right in the city. And just mm-hmm. from the time that I've moved here, man, it, it's a, some areas right by me are completely different. It, it's growing so fast. Yeah, and I, I didn't even live in the city. I lived in like Comfort and yeah. out there. Um, but yeah, it's it's totally different than I remember it. And that's just I me. Mean, that's what some of the attraction is that it is growing, but it's not become a, a just massive metropolis yet. But, you know, so he I hasn't imagine. cited uh, entirely yeah. the city itself, though. Even though I believe right. that, is that, like, look, it's kind of, it's a city, it's got some of the perks, it's on the up-and-coming, it's great with banking. So there's all these wonderful things about... Uh, Charlotte's future on the horizon as a city itself, mm-hmm. but these t- these players continue to talk about and like what Tyler Lovato says is how sincere he sounds. There's an authenticity here, and and I like this about Gerald McCoy. I think he's going to fit lockstep at least with the the mantra and the voice that or the the perspective we've had. We've had TD celebrate for so mm-hmm. for so many years celebrating that uh that camaraderie and that kind of live and bleed you know bleed blue and black you've seen greg olson step into those shoes so easily you see luke keekley be so perfect of a fit when it comes to like i mean you can't make a better football guy and then you got cam newton who's been uh misconstrued probably throughout his careers being overly selfish 
uh, all these different things about Cam and his flash and this and that. Cam has been nothing but a great teammate um, as he's come, as he's developed and matured into a veteran, and he has uh, been an asset. He's been our first superstar. So yeah, he's there is some diva just because he people gravitate to him too much so much. But these guys are itching to stay, and now that Dave Gettleman is gone. Uh, it, it looks like it's, it is a destination for really smart football players. And it seemed that even though Gerald McCoy cited uh, being intrigued by all the talent that was on paper in Cleveland, he also was smart enough um, and, and ground enough to, rep- to realize that all of those pieces don't mean continuity at times. And he liked the continuity of culture when it comes to Carolina. It's really impressive and it's exciting to see that kind of finally come to, you know, what we kind of suspected was the case the whole time. But knowing that Ron Rivera is a linchpin of that has me more excited than anything, maybe. Yeah, he's definitely a big factor. For sure. I'm, you know, I'm. You know, like I said, I do give Ron Rivera the, the credit when credit is due. I've been down on the man before, but one of the things that he has absolutely been instrumental in implementing is a culture that that provides a locker room that people want to be a part of. There's a camaraderie between the guys um, on offense and defense, and they feel like they're coming together for a common goal. And, you know, maybe other teams have that too. I don't follow other teams. But knowing how many people have said the Panthers have a special locker room atmosphere, I mean, I don't know about you two, but as a fan, it makes me proud to know that those are the kind of guys in the locker room of the team whom I bleed their colors, man. It it makes me feel good inside. Yeah, I mean, a lot of teams. I, I mean, I think a lot of players uh, really feel that connection and passion to their to their organization. I don't even think it's just like, hey, is that I love this team and I'm a fan so much. Is that these guys love the camaraderie of each other? I think mm-hmm. they believe in that brotherhood uh, a lot more. It it is. It does feel genuine and authentic. Hey, Cody, let's go ahead and since you mentioned Ron Rivera, let's go ahead. How did he break down minicamp as it closed? Then we'll go back. Talk about Curtis Samuel. So, minicamp uh, comes to a close. The next time we will hear from these yeah, guys. Uh, let's finish up strong. Have a good finish up practice today. Make sure we're, uh, we're, 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 uh, we're going to go fast. We can get you guys on the field and off the field today. And just so everybody's aware, July 24th, training camp opens up, okay? You're required to be checked in and ready to roll. Again, I understand it's about being accountable to each other and everybody in this room. So, when you come back on the 24th, you guys are ready to roll. You guys are ready to roll. And you understand what to stay. There's a certain intensity there and focus, and I hope Ron Rivera has it. Uh, it starts with Ron Rivera, and if he has it, I think it'll filter down to the players. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And it's always been that way. As we've been talking about, thanks for listening to C3 Panthers podcast, by the way. Let's go ahead and get back to, uh, look, um, is that while Cam Newton has in his new reform throwing motion that is the same uh, has stolen the spotlight, and while Gerald McCoy has has dominated a lot of the headlines, there are some sneaky and important storylines going on. 
we mentioned this last week in the podcast, and that was Norv Turner going into his second year, uh, really having a feel for the players, the players having a feel for him, being able to take that coaching and that teaching to the next level. But now he's also getting some guys that are becoming more polished and potentially more deadly. You think DJ uh, Moore, but really a guy that's been on a lot of people's minds who was sensational last year, has been hampered by injuries at time. Curtis Samuel entering his third year. Endless potential, it seems like. Let's hear what Jordan Rodriguez had to say on WFNZ about Curtis Samuel this year heading potentially into a breakout season. They are giddy about the potential of Curtis Samuel if he can stay healthy. I mean, they don't think that that guy has a ceiling. And when you see him move out there on the field, um, you believe it because he's, he, he doesn't really run. He floats, and he doesn't really cut in and out of his route. He just kind of, um, like, finds a wormhole and then suddenly is there. <laughs> so it's, it's really interesting to watch him move and to play. And I think people at tra- in training camp are going to be really excited to see his development because the only thing that stood in the way of him being a really, I think, very, very good receiver, if not a great receiver in this league right now, is his health. And so I think that there's a lot to be excited about with that guy. That's Jordan Rodriguez on WFNZ talking about Curtis Samuel entering his third year. Dynamic, very fast player, a little slight build, really a a little bit thicker version, though, of Demir Bird. Maybe, uh, not maybe, but it seems like uh, a lot of people think Mm -hmm. more talented, potentially more durable. I'm very interested to see what Demir Bird is doing these days. But, guys, thoughts? Uh, Joey, we'll start with you. Thoughts on Kurt, Curtis Samuel potentially in this third year under North Turner? Is he a toy that is the shiny toy uh, that North Turner is ready to play with? Yeah. Um, you know how I feel. I think we have three Christian McCaffrey's. And um, he can do everything Christian McCaffrey can do. Um, and maybe a little bit faster. Um, but yeah, we have three of the same players. My man had 39 catches last year. And uh, let me see, his touchdown total was, uh, where is it? He had five touchdowns on 39 receptions. He had two rushing touchdowns on eight carries. He had a total last year. Yeah, he had... uh, I don't even understand how that's possible. Is my man has gotten... He got seven touchdowns on 30... What was that? 39 plus two. 41 touches. That's insanity. That's a good... That's a good number. He is not just uh, fast. It turns out he's actually pretty damn productive. He is, man. And listen, I want to, well, first of all, I want to thank Adam Sanders for the $1 donation. Thanks for showing some love. But also, I want to point this out, and this is very important. The difference between our 2015 season and every subsequent season that came after that, there's one key aspect, and it was Cam Newton being able to stretch the field, throwing the ball 
down the field to Ted Ginn Jr. and being able to open up the defense in a way that that really no other team at the time was really able to capitalize on like we were able to do. I need you all to understand that Curtis Samuel is the, our best hope of implementing that same kind of threat that that we had in 2015. And I love what Ken D says. Ken D just hit the nail on the head. Because I have always said that Curtis Samuel is our own version of Tyreek Hill without punching children and his baby mama and all that bull crap that came along with it. I mean, Curtis Samuel is that dynamic of a receiver. And, you know, if Curtis is able to stay healthy, man, we might have a legitimate weapon on our hand and Curtis Samuel. And this is not a slight towards our first round pick, DJ Moore. But right. if I had he could to be good too. Pick, I mean, he could be yeah. great too. What if you had two guys that their ceilings we can't really imagine at this point? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But the ability to take the top off the defense is something that the Panthers' offense, especially in today's NFL, has to be able to do. And I feel Curtis Samuel is by far our best weapon to be able to do just that. You know, uh, Jordan Rodriguue and a lot of chat and a lot of chat here. Jordan Rodriguez news uh, kind of uh, came out early. It was a there was some. And I think it was Kuntz on Twitter who found this. Man, this guy was all over it early that we knew Marcel Louis-Jacques, who's been on the show, is going to be uh, moving on to co- to work for ESPN now in Buffalo because an opening came up there, as well as there was rumors that Jordan Rodrigue, who's also been on the show, will be leaving. And she confirmed that today on Twitter that she is... Uh, leaving, she has not told us yet where what the, her new opportunity is going forward. A real blow to the Charlotte Observer as they head into the season and have to hire potentially yeah. two beat writers. If I didn't have to take a pay cut to do it, guys, I would go and do it and move to Charlotte. Yeah. But it's kind of hard to transplant. You want to give me my get my wife a job as well, uh, and talk my children into leaving their school. Uh, but the, she did a good thing. She had this nice montage, uh, like this tweet thread, explaining thanking her time, basically really celebrating uh, the opportunity she's had. She did mention following around Julius Peppers as he was doing his his work. She mentioned some other things. She did not mention, as she described herself as a nervous beat writer getting started, the controversy <laughs> and Cam Newton that surrounded her that first seat. I think it was her first or second season, the whole routes comment and all of that, that luckily it seems like a lot of Panther nation who was very uh, mean to her over the fallout on that has, has forgiven her graciously on that. And you know, uh, not really anyone's terrible fault in that, but you know, everybody has some bumps and some bruises in their career and some missteps. And I think she's worked hard uh, to be a great reporter for the team. She is very questiony. If you listen to her in the press conferences now, she is like the most question answering, asking person up there. Poor Joe person. Those guys are like begging to get in there. Brian Strickland's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm. Can I work for the team? And she's like, I have more questions. She is excited. It is, you know, that youthful enthusiasm. Best of luck to her. Thank you, Adam Sand- uh, Sanders. Continue for your support of the show. Been fantastic. 
uh, seeing everybody in the chat room. We continue to ask everybody to smash that thumbs up button and be a part of it. But I want to go back to to Curtis Samuel just for a moment. DJ Moore, I, I do. I don't want us to forget about DJ Moore. I think that uh, DJ Moore can be uh, just a tremendous, tremendous player going forward. I've got a lot of faith in what I saw in that rookie year. And but imagine we saw with with Christian McCaffrey last year is having a guy finally on the offense that can make plays beyond Cam Newton just having to be magical. Imagine a team that had a guy or two who were explosive or playmaker to the caliber of close to a Cam Newton type-esque. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, now we're cooking. Now we're cooking to where you don't have to have Cam Newton be the most precise quarterback in the history of football as well as the most dynamic runner. You can just have Cam Newton be really damn good and some other guys be really damn good, and it could make for some offensive fireworks. <laughs> Absolutely. Joe, you want to take this before my loud mouth jumps in on it? Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, like I said, the the yards after the catch ability of DJ Moore, uh, the versatility and the the full fledged running back arsenal of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, then you add Curtis Samuel being able to take the top off. Chris Hogan. I mean, if our offensive line is as improved as as we think it's going to be, as we're hoping that it's going to be. Yes. Am I a Panthers fan? Of course. Is this a little bit hyperbolic, you know, this early and this far out? Yeah, <laughs> maybe so. But I generally do believe that we have the roster to compete for a Super Bowl championship. And I'm not – I mean, listen, if we had the roster of, you know, Miami or, or, or you know, uh, Arizona, listen, I would say, yeah, we've made some strides this off season. But we didn't do enough to be a contender. I'd be honest enough to say that. I genuinely feel that right now this Panthers team, if it works out the way we have drafted and the way we have built our team in the offseason, we have a chance to be an absolute dominant force in the NFC and contend for a Super Bowl. I genuinely believe that. Yeah, is uh, we've come a long way in a great offseason. Is that I don't think you can we can you know but we had some building blocks you know that we continued to can build a defense around the Luke Keekley uh, we had some a lot of strength up the middle we got Cam Newton we've been concerned about his shoulder a lot of signs pointing positively there though so a lot of good things ahead a lot of things to be excited about we'll come back to that because I know some people are very excited about what this defense can and will be but guys we want to hear what you. Uh, have to say about what's going on in Panther Nation. These developments, whether it be Cam Newton and his new or not new throwing motion, and as well as some of these things we've heard from Scott Turner um, and Gerald McCoy, all of these, we want to get your voice on the C3 Panthers podcast. You can do that by calling into the Cat Calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. That is 252 252- Two two eight fifty ninety eight. Let's jump in and see what you guys got to say. So, what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty. 
You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels good like... C3, this is Ryan from Tucson, Arizona. Um, listening to the show the last couple weeks. And uh, maybe I'm tripping, but it seems like there's a little bit of confusion here. Okay, we're not transitioning to a 3-4 hybrid defense. We're simply adding a 3-4 base defense to our 4-3 defense. Ron Rivera said it a bajillion times in interviews with reporters and analysis that he just wants to add more fronts to our defense to simply make it so that he can confuse offenses more. He drafted Brian Burns and Christian Miller because they're both guys throughout their college careers. They're hoping that can translate to pro. They're both guys who have played their hand in the dirt and also standing up. So they can add a 3-4 base to our 4-3 base, making it a multiple front hybrid defense. That's what they're just saying. That's all they're saying. It's not a three-four hybrid. It's a multiple front defense. That's all that it is. We're still going to call four-three defensive plays, but we're just sprinkling in three-four defensive plays with the players that we got. That See, he's on my side. That's what I'm thinking. Things that people are kind of confused. That's what I'm thinking. Love show. You doing what you guys are doing? Thank you so much for the call. I 100 percent disagree. I know, I know, I know you do, and you've said it multiple times before. Look, all I saw were clips <laughs> this week. All I saw were clips in minicamp about how exciting Luke Keekly, excited Luke Keekley was to learn a new defense. Is that, you know, is that, yes, there was learning new excitements, learning pre-snap looks. And then the same thing, McCoy says it, Luke Keekley says it, is, yeah, there's a lot of different things going on, but it's still football at the day. We've got to learn different gap assignments. You're going to you're gonna be feigning. And then I'll hear other people say this. Is that, well, dude, There's, I mean, it's not just a 3-4 defense. We're going to run a damn nickel. Well, of course you run a nickel, right? I mean, of course. I just, is that I think, if anything, we're installing a 3-4 base defense. We may run a couple of 4-3 defenses, but this is a distinct shift in the philosophy and style of this football team. Why do we got so many damn linebackers like Bruce Irvin and Marquise Haynes and uh, uh, Christian Miller now and Brian Burns? There's too many of them to be like, oh, well, we're just going to do it the way we did it. This is Mm -hmm. I disagree but thanks for the mm-hmm. you want to go Joe yeah I, I think I think it's clearly um, a move to a multiple front defense um, and you're adding more than just a 3-4 formation you're going to be bringing blitz packages you know, there's a full on overhaul um, they're not getting rid of the defense they ran last year they're adding a whole nother defense to it. And yeah. like you said, you got the players um, talking that were here last year, and then you got all the guys that they drafted. The guys who drafted are players for a 3-4 defense. 
Yeah, and mm-hmm. listen, I, I agree with what our caller said, too. That listen, if we just went to a straight up three four defense, it's not like like a three four defense is the perfect defense. I mean, eventually we're going to encounter the same problem. I mean, a lot of really bad teams run a three four defense, and it, you know they they don't get to the quarterback any better than any other team. the The problem that Ron Rivera is trying to solve, and I believe him, I take him at his word when he says this, is to be able to confuse opposing offenses as to what you're doing. If they're always prepared for a 4-3 base, then then they, they have a game plan about how to attack you. They want to instill some fear in the opposing offensive coordinators that they play every Sunday. They want to be able to do some different things so that those offensive coordinators don't know how we're going to attack them. And the caller was right. The personnel that we do have right now can fill both roles. I'm telling you, F.A. Obata, F.A. Obata is not a 3-4 outside linebacker and they signed him to a, a And another, he's going to play like uh, three snaps team. a game. <laughs> he might play, all right, but then on the other hand, though, do you look at what I've been saying um, uh, all offseason about Brian Burns. Everyone was saying, well, we drafted Brian Burns. He's a 3-4 outside linebacker. But most of the snaps – and I've watched all of them. Most of the snaps that he took at Florida State, he had his hand in the dirt as a 4-3 defensive end. That's because what so they played, and he played 100% of the defensive snaps. So he will not do that in the NFL. We know that he won't do that in his right. rookie year. I think too, but he has the ability to do it. Look, is that, yeah, uh, is... I, maybe we're getting too into the weeds in just you know simple terminology, but you know if you're rushing four guys, what does it matter if the guy's got his hand in the dirt or if he's just standing up off to the side? Is that really that different? I don't know though. I think this is you're going to be like, well, look, there's four defensive ends out there right now, and you're going to go, no, that's a linebacker playing defensive end, or that's a defensive end playing linebacker. I, I I truly believe this it's is still the same thing. It is bigger than it is more distinct. Why it, why are the players talking so much about having to learn so much new stuff? Why right. wouldn't they just be writing it off as you know? Yeah, there's some wrinkles and some different things, but we're doing a lot of the same concepts. You don't even hear Luke Keekley saying that. Well, no, but it the is the only a, person it, it that said that was Ron Rivera one time. Uh, it is an entirely new facet to the defense. So even if you're doing both, it's still a big change to be able to go and do something that you really haven't been doing in a long time. Listen, I do. I mean, ultimately, I do agree with you. This is a, a bigger change than just moving some pieces around and doing different things. I mean, I'd be interested to see the 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 number of times we're in a 4-3, the number of times that we're in a 3-4 nickel so on and so forth and i feel like we're just going to do whatever is the the hot hand at the time if our rush is getting home from a 4-3 traditional uh defense that we've been playing for years but then don't change it up use what works in that scenario maybe next week you play atlanta and that 3-4 look is is more um efficient in, in rushing the quarterback do different things and have the ability to do them all. And that's what I love about the makeup of our defense right now. Interesting. 
I, I my prediction is this: we're going to be in three, four, thirty percent of the time. We're going to be nickel sixty percent of the time, and we're going to be in every other package ten percent of the time. Somewhere in that range, nickel is going to be predominant on on like passing downs that are down in distance, the right down in distance. You're going to need to put a bunch of corners out there. You know, um, but we'll see. We'll see is this. But I think that it's going to look much different than what you have seen Panther defenses look in the past. I think you have to go back mm-hmm. two, two decades to kind of get to what they're trying to get to. We did run this in the late 90s temporarily, momentarily. We didn't have the right personnel to do it, sadly. So there's some different things. Is Hopefully we're running the defense best suited for our personnel, but we went and courted a specific type of personnel in this offseason that distinctly fits a much more athletic profile for a defense. So here's your next call. The number is 252-228-5098. Thanks for the call. What's up, y'all? Panthers Podcast. How y'all doing? This is uh, G. What's up, G? Y'all know who this is. Hey, man. I was happy, man. You know, hey, Cam Newton was throwing today, you know, which was good. But to me, and I'm going to be – Completely honest, I really didn't see any damn thing. I'm dead serious. I mean, I wasn't really expecting <laughs> to see him throw more than 20 yards or whatever, you know. But I really didn't see anything that made me be like, "Ooh, wow, it was good. It was good to see him throwing and everything," which is good, you know. And they were saying that he switched his style of throwing. I haven't seen any of it. I mean, did you guys? Nope. I didn't, you know. But <laughs> yeah, so me, I'm throwing. This is just me speaking. You know what I'm saying? To me he doesn't look hurt. He doesn't look hurt at all. I, mean, I agree. It looks like he can 100%. like go like next month and he be. So give me your thoughts on the little Cam Newton's throwing, you know what I'm saying, in front of the media and everything. And to the asshole that took the actual footage, man, you are the man or the woman because <laughs> I like that footage. You know, Ron <laughs> Barrow was pissed, you know, but <laughs> I love it. And always remember, y'all, keep pounding. Totally with you on this. Is that 100% the storyline is not about Cam's mechanics. The storyline is about how good Cam Newton has looked in this process. And I don't know physically if you can judge, like, how great the shoulder is structurally and all this. But body language, activity-wise, even after his original surgery, the, the first in what was described as the bigger of the two i feel like he went and threw the first week of training camp so that's six weeks from now and he threw for four days and then they shut him down so that was two years ago in this case they got him out there this early i think that all signs are pointed in a good direction when it comes to cam newton's recovery yeah i want to hear joe Alano's take on this because we talked about this at the start of the show and I, I gave my take, Tony gave his. Joe, from what you saw of Cam Newton and the throwing motion and all the throws that he did make that you did see, did you notice a discernible difference between the way Cam Newton is throwing the ball now and the way he's done it traditionally in the past? Well, I saw that he was trying to do it differently. <laughs> um, there a couple of throws that he, he did do it differently, but it doesn't look comfortable. I'll say that. Um, okay, so you think it looks awkward on him? I think when he's 
on the field and there are live bullets flying around that he is going to revert back to his throwing style. Um, yeah. Which, but I think the only concern is with his throwing path throwing style is the uh, toll that it takes on the shoulder. Um, yeah. It's not a natural thing to do for rowing a football. So uh, it does take a toll on the body. Anyway, um, I saw, yeah, I didn't think, I don't think it's going to stay around. Um, but he looked comfortable. And that's really what I wanted to see. They're comfortable with the team, I mean. He looked comfortable right. with, with the, the guys cutting up. And it was just being, being on the team. He's um, not getting yeah. treatment every damn moment. That's the thing right. is that if if this was really bad at this point, you wouldn't have seen him in the icy video. You would have right. seen him in the ice tub. You would have you yeah. wouldn't have seen him running around, joking around, playing around with the team, staying after practice. He talked about the grind of treatment last year and how it was how fatiguing it was to him at times because he never felt good. I think reading body language read in all of these different things. And we know that Cam Newton isn't the most, um, he doesn't have the best of poker faces, right? right. So if, no. if this was really, really bothering him or bothering him at all, I don't think we'd just see him laughing, smiling, giggling. And I don't sure as hell don't think we'd be seeing him throwing. Uh, we're talking about Ian Thomas on the bike, the whole mini camp. We're talking about other guys. And these are minor injuries that they're not trying to really uh, prolong that they want to make sure get fully healthy. We wouldn't see Cam Newton throw the ball one damn time if things weren't going well right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and something that I think is important to bring up. And uh, listen, Cam Newton throwing. I, I wasn't ever afraid. Like I know Josh from Mass, he'd been in here a few times, expressed some concern that Cam Newton still wasn't throwing. And I never got concerned about Cam Newton still not having thrown up until that point. And when he did start throwing the football, it really wasn't some giant news to me. It, 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 did, it wasn't a weight off my shoulders because I knew he was going to throw the football again. My sigh of relief comes when I see Cam Newton using whatever throwing motion, old or new, when I see Cam Newton <laughs> True that. Throwing, the, throwing the football down the field. I mean, launching the football down the field. With, with some accuracy. Where it doesn't look like yeah. a fluttering, weird, like a Joe Flacco football that's 40 yards the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. Listen, man, that's when I breathe my sigh of relief. When I know that Cam Newton has that deep ball power that he's become famous for in his NFL career, throwing the football down the field. Um, you know, I'm interested to know if we're ever truly going to be able to see that kind of power from Cam ever again. I, I am very hopeful that we are going to see that from Cam Newton. But I don't know. As of right now, I, the, it's, it's, it's fair to say that the jury is still out on whether or not Cam Newton will ever have the type of power 
that he once had before. You know, it's a scare. You know, that to me has been one of the saddest things. We've watched Cam Newton as close as it about you can watch him for the last for his entire career. Now it seems like people forgot, like how like they they acted like his problem was for a long time that he couldn't throw throw the deep ball. That's like that's what people act like now. When right, that was what he did best in, for the early part of his career. And what I want to see, and, and I will be so excited, like you said, it doesn't matter what throw in motion. I don't care if he did switch left hand and he did this. I want to see the Cam Newton that gives you the sick, that when he sees Curtis Samuel and the out, lined up on the outside in single coverage and there's a single high safety and he knows that that guy's not going to be able to catch it, catch up to Curtis, that he just says, run as far as fast as you can. Because the old Cam Newton, before he had this, the major shoulder problems, could throw the ball farther than any person could run. Ted Ginn was the only guy that could chase it down, potentially. His problem was just catching it. Yeah. yeah. I want to see a guy who says this, is you're the fastest dude on the field and I can throw 90 yards from my knees. So, go. Right. Go. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Listen, I so badly... What Cam throwing 80 yards down the field to Curtis Samuel on a go route where Cam just throws the ball faster than any other quarterback and Curtis Samuel has about 5 or 10 yards of separation leaving the corner in the dust. Like, come on, y'all. That's what dreams are made of right there, yeah. man. Is I'm gonna I feel, want that so bad. Yeah, is it's, it's kind of like uh, you want to see Cam Newton throw it and you know how like a baseball player knows he hits a home run and just like doesn't even have to like run or he's like that's gone. Yeah. I want to see Cam Newton throw yeah, it and just like start walking to the the sidelines while the ball's still <laughs> yeah. in the air and just knowing like turn his back to it is that that's where that's what dreams are made of. Like you said, is Cam Newton had that he could throw far. He had the biggest cannon in the whole league. I don't think I'm not saying that nobody could throw it as hard or as far as him, but there was nobody that I would really put money on over him early on. He could throw a football through a piece of damn plywood. And he does a lot of times. He's in in the upper echelon of arm talent when he's at his healthiest, man. You mentioned him with Rodgers, Mahomes, now Josh Allen, uh, Stafford, whoever the hell else you want to name that has a cannon for an arm. At peak health, Cam Newton is absolutely in that tier of quarterback. Ten Tizzy says Curtis gonna be tired as hell this season. He better be. Uh, hey, we gotta put some work on that heart. Do you remember? Oh, I know. Is that like, hey, is uh, hey? At least he got the heart heart fixed. Do you remember the? Yeah. It was. I'm pretty sure it was Cody who said this, and it might have been two years ago. I don't know, but when you talked about Cam Newton threw the ball and tried to take someone's soul out of him. And it was like, it's like <laughs> yeah. he tried to throw it through Greg Olson one time. And like, yeah, yeah uh, Greg Olson said that. Yeah. Is so is that Cam Newton, this is the problem with football media. And, and I'm going to blame this on the internet media and not like us because we are flawless, but the fantasy football media, I always say they have such a recency bias. 
is that what guys did last year is just going to continue to grow this year. And guys who had an offseason last year, they're bound and destined for no more success. I think that, look, there are times, it's kind of like saying all of a sudden, who's the running back in uh, Arizona? Um, David. Uh, David Johnson. David Johnson. Like, that mug can still play football. He struggled with injuries. Like, all of a sudden, you're going to forget just because you thought that David Johnson was going to be number one fantasy player two years ago, and he wasn't, that you're going to forget all of a sudden that that guy is really good. He just was on a bad team, probably struggling with injury. Cam Newton, you'll you'll see. You'll see, folks. That dude... It's still got a lot of football in him. Looking good. Excited about it. Thanks for being a part of the C3 Panthers podcast. Great call, G. Cavassier. Great discussion that it prompted. Let's go on to the next call and see what we got. Hi, Tony. Hi, Cody. Hi, everyone out there. It's Rich in London. What's up, Rich? Okay, so lots Rich, been made up, about brother? Cam Newton's throwing action. So as this is really what I do for a living, I thought I'd give people quite a detailed breakdown of what I've seen oh, and yeah. what it actually okay. looks like um, and what the change really is. So I I'm use something called the Holistic Movement Assessment Chart, which allows me to describe all the motion that's going on in his body. Um, we can start on his lower body, which they've already talked about in some detail, which is just the basic way of delivering a ball, a push-off with the back foot, a twist and a rotation of the hips so that it's going in the right direction, um, and then the arm coming through. But it's really the arm that we're talking about because of the problems he's had with the shoulder. <clears throat> so... Cam's previous throwing motion and the motion that baseball throwers, pitchers, and most people have, when your arm comes away from your upper body going backwards, it goes into extension. Okay, so the ball starts to go back and goes into extension. Then as they turn the hand outwards and lengthen their arm, basically extending at the elbow now, um, they have an external rotation. So if you put your hands into that position, you feel quite a stretch in the shoulder. And it's stretching the muscles and the tendons of the bicep and your chest muscles. And you then, as you go to throw, if you're doing it properly, you twist at the hips and you pull with the chest muscles and with the bicep muscle and fling the ball through. Um, It causes quite a lot of pain at the front of the shoulder. I mean, this is the reason that baseball pitchers have, um, you know, a limit on the number of throws that they can make um, and why Cam's probably been running into trouble. Uh, The the issue with it is that the the bone in your upper arm, the humerus, goes through a big rotation in uh, in the joint, in the acromion joint there of the shoulder. Um, And that basically Hmm. just over time will lead to It'll lead to somewhere and there. People call them the rotator cuff, but it, it's it's primarily the the tendons, the biceps and things that um, bicep tendon and pec tendons in there. Um, and really, the the problem with that is that having injured it, there's a chance that there's a little problem in that, um, and it'll keep catching. So he might be 95% okay, but there might be a tiny spot within that where it's clicking and catching and causing problem, which is why he had the operation. So the change in motion, if any of you watch it closely, there's a slight hitch now. So he takes the hand away, and then he lifts the elbow up so that the upper arm, the humerus, is actually pointing slightly ahead of his head. And he's got a uh, and a bend at the elbow. Well, I'm going to have to call back. 
All right, so a little, we're going to take a minute. Uh, a great call right there by Rich is some people talking about buffering issues. I refreshed on YouTube. What is going on here is start streaming software. Did we lose the feed entirely? What is going on here? Some people are saying uh, back sure. up. Let me see if I can refresh this. Well, line. what happens is it lets me refresh it, and then it gets to the same point, and then it starts buffering again. Well, what the heck is happening? Like, it's like my whole, the stream says, ugh, of course. Such a good damn show, too, going on at this moment. I don't know why. Like, where is the live control room? It's been a long time since we've uh, had any issues like that. I know. I know that YouTube was having some problems on Tuesday, people were saying. All right. It looks like people are bowing out at this point anyway. So what we're going to do is we'll just close out on the audio. We got one last call from Rich, too, is to finish this call. Let's see what else he has to say. And you guys can catch up uh, on the audio. All right. Part two. I'm back again. I'm just going into his current motion. So when the yep. arm comes up in front of you, if you just stand with your arm at your side and lift it up to the front, that's going into flexion. Same way as if you lift your leg up at the front from the hip, it's going into flexion. So what Cam has done and what they've changed, they've turned his motion into more of a tennis serve. Or if any of you play uh, lacrosse, it's more of that motion over the top. So what they've done is his arm comes round and away. Instead of then lengthening at the elbow, extending at the elbow out. He's bringing his upper arm so that his elbow is slightly in front of his head and then whipping the hand over the top. So what he's actually doing, instead of pulling his arm through and rotating rotating the bones in his upper arm to get the whip, he's now using the muscles in his back. Uh, the lats, a lot of you know, if you do a lat pull-down or a seated row, but the muscle, action of those muscles is to pull the arm down and back. So with the slightly higher motion, he's now whipping the arm over his head and down, effectively, rather than pulling the arm through. So he's actually using an entirely different set of muscles um, to, to whip the ball through. Um, it's more like throwing darts. It's more like throwing a javelin. Um, I haven't quite looked into it properly, but... If anyone feels like having a look at tape on Tom Brady, I always get the feeling that Tom Brady stands with a very high hand and throws down, which is probably why Brady's not had any problems, despite all of his utter nonsense in his book and stuff. Um, he throws in that manner, which is to have a high hand and pull down like you're throwing darts. It might mean that Cam's deep ball might not happen, although I suspect it'll be in there occasionally. Um, it's a slightly different way of throwing. But also the chances are the accuracy will go up because without going through three planes of motion, which he's doing in his old one, where there's a lot of rotation from external to internal as he throws the, as he throws the ball, um, there's probably going to be less of that. Uh, being a big, strong guy with long levers, he's probably going to be able to throw darts. Anyway, we'll wait and see. Um, but there you go. So that's my professional breakdown that I normally charge people a fortune for. Um, if we go through the team and anyone picks up on anything either with him or any offensive lineman and we get tape on it, um, I can break this stuff down from a movement point of view, which might be quite interesting. Like if Greg Little's feet start going, I can spot whether he's losing his rotations at his hip or whatever. Anyway, um, 
as there's not much else to talk about except the excitement over Curtis Samuel. Keep pounding, everyone. Take care. Uh, lots of compliments on the rich call from uh, people in the YouTube chat, but also Tin Tizzy, who's jumped over into the shindig to cast the bot back into the show. Um, yeah, is a lot of good information there talking about how those biomechanics all work together, if that's the right terminology, yeah. biomechanics, and how slight angles can can maybe hopefully lessen some of the stress on some of those supporting tendons. Uh, that he's talking about. Um, oh, Susan coming in with a big donation, even though the show's over and buffering. But uh, Tin Tizzy, shout out to you and those beautiful kids in that picture, by the way. I know that you have been nursing that growing family. So, look, that's the last call for the night, I believe. Nobody else has gotten in on the cat call line. Uh, good news there. Good call from Rich. Now, let's go in. I think those are basically... All of the, the discussions we wanted to get through, icy video, rap sheet. So I think we're at the end of the show, Cody, where we where we get in and we ice up uh somebody. We get we tell the world yeah. to ice up, toughen up, and to get it together. And I I've been wavering on my ice up pick over and over. So I'm gonna let you go ahead and go first as I uh try to figure out if this is what I truly want to do. Well, yeah, um, you know, for the second week in a row, I was starting off with a different ice up pick, uh, and then something hit me like a ton of bricks, and I remembered uh, what it actually should be. And, you know, people on Twitter, they don't like when I go political. But I think everyone can agree that no matter your political, you know, um, affiliation, if you're Democrat, Republican, or whatever you are, you should hold the mindset that, Politicians are supposed to work for you and for the people that put their lives on the line. And this, uh, this past few days, John Stewart was in the news for basically he's been trying to fight for these 9-11 first responders. The guys who, when the trade centers fell, they were on the call, man. The fire department, the police officers, everyone that responded they still do not have the proper care and treatment from everything that happened to them due to the debris of the traded centers. And this is a, a short video uh, of John Stewart taking Congress to task. Behind me, a filled room of 9-11 first responders. And in front of me, a nearly empty Congress. Sick and dying, they brought themselves down here to speak to no one. It's shameful. It's an embarrassment to the country, and it is a stain on this institution. And you should be ashamed of yourselves for those that aren't here, but you won't be. Because accountability doesn't appear to be something that occurs in this chamber. And I'm sorry if I sound angry and undiplomatic, but I'm angry, and you should be too, and they're all angry as well, and they have every justification to be that way. There is not a person here, there is not an empty chair on that stage that didn't tweet out, never forget the heroes of 9-11, 
Never forget their bravery. Never forget what they did, what they gave to this country. Well, here they are. And where are they? This should be flipped. This hearing should be flipped. These men and women should be up on that stage and Congress should be down here answering their questions as to why this is so damn hard and takes so damn long. They did their jobs. So basically what, what, what John Stewart is saying right there is that when you have people that put their lives on the line to save other people, I just don't think it's too much to ask that our politicians, no matter who they are, no matter what letter is next to their name, that they go out of their way to treat them with respect and give them the medical attention that they deserve when they put their lives on the lines to help Americans in some of their darkest moments. So to all of our spineless politicians that have yet to act and help these first responders, that is my ice up son of the week. This is what I call fotriism and yeah, it's 100%. fake patriotism. And look, is that you could say that John Stewart is is being an has been an opportunist or whatever and that he's using this. Sure. But I don't think I don't get that sense from John Stewart is that he does seem to be pretty authentic and genuine about a lot of these things. Now, what I what I call the fotriism is this is that like because I've got American sunglasses on, American flag sunglasses on, I love America. And I love people. It's like, is that all I got to do? It's kind of, I get annoyed when people say uh, prayers up on the internet or, yeah. and, I, and, and I'm not trying to be, look, I'm Christian. I'm Catholic. I pray. Uh, I don't know if it, any of it is, it's not a working thing. I try to pray for, be thankful. It's usually thankfulness stuff and whatever. My point is this is like, that's it's not really honest to be like god bless america but then you don't but it's opportunism and i think that that's where the politics come in this and that's what he's saying is like hey is let's not just act on inconvenient places when it is convenient right. for me uh to, and i and advantageous or makes me feel better that's the thing is when you do a lot of those things right. it's about how it makes you feel oh i feel better i feel more christian because i said i prayed or i feel more patriotic fotriism and i would say is like look is i don't know the details of what these people need medically or what they're being denied or whatever but um you know, it's just, is is be genuine, folks, or just be quiet. And he hit the nail on the head when he said that not a single one of the politicians, every single September 11th, they all tweet out the same yeah. thing. Yeah. We remember, never forget. Yeah. Okay, well, you still forget in the moments when the people that actually need help need you the most, you never remember. So uh, you you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's faux patriotism. Um, it doesn't, and like I said, people yeah, get upset. It doesn't matter who the politics. party is. It doesn't matter yeah, what does, party yeah, is. They're all politics. opportunists. They're all, and and, and that's right. rude. It's rude for me to say that because a lot of people, I'm sure, have no, sacrificed it's, it's a lot for to get to where they are. But you see this. is It's kind of like this dude who was on the, there, there's been a guy on Twitter, 
In fact, I wish I, I probably should ice this asshole up, but he's only got 12 followers or seven followers. And all of a sudden, he's been talking junk about Cam Newton and about how he doesn't uh, sign adult autographs and nobody in the Panthers. This guy has been railing against the Panthers. He doesn't even live in North Carolina, which that's okay. Most A lot of Panther fans don't. But he's like, I've asked you for autographs on, tw- on Twitter. He asked, if you go down his Twitter feed, it's like all of these begging requests. And... And you know what? Is you're in this free? This isn't really about Cam Newton and his what he does for fans. Right now, you're telling us more about you than you are yeah. about Cam Newton. So I'm with you on that. Is I I thought that it, I tell you one thing is he seemed impassioned, John Stewart. He seemed authentic. I'm with you. Ice up, real patriots. Get rid of the D's and the R's, and 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 start thinking about the U.S. and the A's. Um, the my my ice up pick, and, and I don't know how I really feel about this, is I'm kind of icing up, and I don't, is that I feel, oh, Bob Myers, president of the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, yeah, do this one. This that, crying asshole. video after, and, and look, is that I, I am, and this is where I've, I hesitated in making this my ice up pick is because is that to be emotionally moved and be concerned about your players and their health and, and what they mean to you and making this more than just about winning a game or, or signing the next deal or whatever. Uh, I'm not represent. I'm not icing up this, but but damn, Bob Myers, compose yourself. This guy was just a weeping mess uh, after Kevin Durant got hurt. I mean, obviously, I think he recognized he probably knew the severity. Kevin Durant. Uh, to me, Cody, did you see Kevin Durant get hurt? Uh, yeah, I did. Have you I seen saw, clips? How yeah, does this guy it, not it, look it, like he's even in pain? His whole Achilles just exploded, and he's just like, mm. and he's like rolling his ankle. He's like, can't go. Like he won't. Yeah. I mean, I thought he'd be flopping around, and you know, you see football players with the legs hanging off the wrong way, and you're like, ooh. It's like he's like. I mean, yeah. now he is a giant dude, but um, look, Kevin Durant is a his. I was actually critical. I thought that if this was just a calf injury, like boy, you're really nursing this. But it turns out that there's some other stuff that likely may have been going on behind that. The doctors, they came to a consensus. But, boy, this Bob Myers was weep, and he said, don't blame the doctors because you're about to hear this. And, I mean, look at that. And I guess he already knew that things were coming to, we're going to get to this point, is that I just saw a story on Forbes that said, Golden State Warriors are crying over Durant out of guilt. (sighs) I don't know. Is I mean, I think Kevin Durant is a grown man. I think he would probably know if he was taking risk. It was a big risk. I guess it was a big risk. It just was strange. This is a strange injury to me. It was. It was. And um, you know, I I, I I've never been a huge basketball fan. Uh the most I know is that uh that Kemba is talking about coming back at a discounted price. Kimball Walker seems like the kind of player to me that doesn't know he's in an abusive relationship. So he just keeps on coming back. But um, <laughs> when it comes but but when it comes to uh other basketball, I just know Durant uh, you know, he's on the Golden State Warriors and this he was looking to get paid 
after this next season going somewhere else. And he was about to make a giant. He's still going to make giant money. Don't worry. Um, So I don't know. I feel guilty about icing up this guy. But boy, this was a sopping. Like it was like, God, somebody go help this man off the stage. (laughs) When I saw this press conference live. So uh, I guess that's my sup, uh, to more, mainly to that Twitter jerk. But um, all right, this you've you've heard the C three podcast. We've rambled on. We've been the rambling men tonight. Um, but lots to talk about. Lots to be excited about. Cody football training camp will be here in July. We got about six weeks to break down every detail, every millisecond of Cam Newton. His throwing motion, and I saw it. That left foot slightly twisted left. His shoulder slightly twisted right. It's completely different, man. Just like this completely different defense is just a wrinkle. I don't know, man. No, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. You're not going to sleep that in. Make me agree with you. Sorry. I like how this is that the storyline is that the bigger change is Cam Newton's throw in motion. The smaller change, the Panthers switch to a 3-4 defense. <laughs> Minor, major. All right. Uh, you're listening to C3 Panthers podcast. We appreciate your support. Thank you, Susan, Ken, who jumped over into the shindig. Sorry, guys, in the YouTube chat. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, YouTube is going to get their ass and their mess together. Uh, had a lot of problems this week on the live stream from what I've heard. Uh, oh, I could have iced up the the Panthers YouTube channel. He's been putting up these YouTube videos that have these strangely weird title names like metadata built into the title. Very odd things coming in on the Panthers YouTube channel. You can hire me to work those out if you need to. I'm only working distance for you. The Charlotte Observer is already courting me. Cody, I'll be back here next Tuesday. They can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. Where can they catch you until then? At C-O-D-Y-L-A-C on Twitter. Yeah, man, I'm uh, follow me. I can talk to you about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, hit me up. Thanks for your calls. We'll hopefully hear from you by next Tuesday. Numbers 252-228-5098. We'll be back to break down every ounce, every droplet of sweat on every player's beautiful body in that Carolina Panthers Flex Friday picture that debuts tomorrow. We'll see you next week. Specifically Cam Newton. (laughs) All right, let me hit stop. Subscribe to the C3 Carolina Panthers podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or anywhere you can catch an RSS feed. Check out carolinacatchronicles.com for the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Great cash, homie. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.